You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Gober. With me as always, it's David Ramil. We are here reacting to the Gordon Hayward news. He will go to Boston. He did not choose the Heat. David, I know you were pessimistic to begin with on Hayward even coming to the Heat. Turns out you are right. But are you still disappointed? What, what does it feel like on your end? Oh, absolutely. I, I I'd started to think that there was a very realistic possibility. I guess the the signage outside the American Airlines arena kind of gave me a pause and, and, and some hope there that he might actually be convinced to sign here. But in the end, as we've all re- read and reread his Players' Tribune post, the opportunity to work with Brad Stevens, which I thought was extremely overblown, turns out to be uh, the exact factor that swayed his decision. I, I mean... Boston was in a legitimately good position to build now and in the future with their you know, a treasure trove of future draft picks. Uh, Utah clearly pulled at some heartstrings there, and he appreciates his stint there with the Jazz. Uh, Miami seemed to have the very least to offer, surprisingly enough. I thought it was a good position to build around him and, and to help him achieve superstar status. Uh, it turns out that was not the case. That wasn't what he was looking for. He was looking to, you know, join again with his former college coach at Butler, uh, Brad Stevens. So, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed. I'll be 100% honest with you. I, I wasn't, pos- uh, you know, I wasn't optimistic about the chances. I started to think that that might actually be some chance that he he'd join Miami. And it turns out that after the backing and forthing all day long and the day before, and him taking his time to make his decision and to, of course, officially announce it. Um, there were some issues there, and I, I was I was very concerned about it. And I, again, I was optimistic for a little bit, and turns out I had no reason to be. But I know you had some issues with the way he announced his decision, so I, I was kind of curious to hear about those. Yeah, you know, I just thought, look, we we kind of we look at these free agents as the big name free agents, Kevin Durant, Gordon Hayward, and we criticize and critique their decisions so much. Uh, especially when they're when they decide to actually switch teams, like Durant going to the Warriors. You know, we don't right. have to remind anybody of the Heat or, or LeBron deciding to go to Miami. Right. We critique these decisions, and there's it was Michael Lee of Yahoo kind of tweeted out just randomly. You know, I, I sympathize with Hayward. It's hard to make a life changing decision um, in just a couple of days, and I was just like, well, I mean. It's not like anybody else has that uh, has a choice to, to take a, a week. I don't know the last time anybody had a life changing decision that they could just take a, a month to figure out. Like it's it just feels like when you're when you're unemployed, you need to find a job, and you get offered a job, you gotta you make a decision within 24 hours. You typically or 48 hours typically. Or I don't know. It just it seems like we we we're giving him all of this leeway to make this decision, but and usually I wouldn't have the wouldn't have a problem with it, but the way in which Hayward went about it, where he said, I want to make, he came out and said, I want to make a decision quickly, or he let the report leak that he wanted to make a decision quickly. Then that, then that turned into, well, I'm going to make it on July 4th. And last year, Durant made that decision relatively early. I think that his Players Tribune article came out at like nine or 10 in the morning. I remember sitting there, it's like, I was one of the first people at Summer League um, in the arena. And that's when the news broke. It was like first thing in the morning. Meanwhile, we're waiting this whole time to hear the Hayward news. It finally breaks around like one o'clock or two o'clock, something like that, and it it gets broken by Chris Haynes of ESPN, and all of a sudden there's this huge walk back with his agent reaching out to David Aldridge and Adrian Wojnarowski saying, "No, that's not the case. This was a false report." 
Meanwhile, it was the jazz the, president was, himself. Yeah. Right. And the jazz president. And meanwhile, that was the truth. Like Hayward had decided to go to Boston. He was working on a 2000 word column for some reason about <laughs> about this thing. And I guess this report interrupted his flow and interrupted. <laughs> I don't know his, his workflow or something. And he couldn't finish the column, whatever it was. Like, I don't he just obviously he wanted to announce it his way. He didn't want the news to break via some report on ESPN. And he walked it back and spent this whole time walking it back in his agent and publicist doing all of this damage control. And turns out, well, no, he was going to Boston anyway. And, it, you know, the, I just felt like the audacity to walk it back and then publish a 2,100-word column about why he was leaving Utah and going to Boston was yeah. a little ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's not like – I think um, it was uh, Chris Mannix, who I'm not even sure who he's with anymore, if he's still with the Vertical or ESPN, I don't even know anymore. But – um, Chris Mannix tweeted, "Wow, he was dis- he he's flip flopping all day until until just now and was still ma- and still managed to publish a twenty one hundred word column. This guy's a legendary writer." I was like, "Exactly, it was a, that's a a great way to put it." But it's just keeping everybody on hold for this entire fourth. If it was just a random Tuesday, it wouldn't have mattered. But it was Fourth of July, you know. People writers are trying to spend time with their families. People are trying to free agents. Other like his co-workers or, or, you know, clubhouse member, uh, people of that NBA fraternity, players in the NBA, were waiting on his decision to figure out what it was that they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And what I tweeted out was like, look, you don't keep your Uber driver waiting outside just because you can. Does Hayward owe it as a courtesy to tell people, look, I'm going to make a decision now? Or look, guys, just go on with your day. Today got out of control. I'll announce tomorrow. Go on with your day. If that were the... if. If, I think that would have been the courteous thing to do just for everybody involved. Again, he doesn't owe it to people. Right. But it is like you don't – you can keep your Uber driver waiting out front, but you don't do it just because you can. It's just a common courtesy. I just feel like a human to millions of other humans that are waiting on this decision, spending their 4th of July attached to their computers or their phones. It was just <laughs> kind of – everything was just so messy. And really, it kind of makes the decision that LeBron had look really good. He was like, look, 7 o'clock Eastern time. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going on. Between that, between, you know, for the rest of your day, do whatever you want, but just make sure you're sitting in front of your TV and I'll let you know what you need to know. This just kind of kept us on hold the whole time. KD, if you're going to do the Players' Tribune thing, which is the, the, new, the new fad, I guess, with big free agents just making decisions, do it first thing in the morning. Get it out of the way. Get t- 10 a.m. Eastern time is great for SEO. Do that. You know, it's just like this I, was just out of control. I got to disagree with you. Uh, really? On a, uh, yeah, on a number of points, to be honest with you. I think 2014 um, probably broke me, but if we recall correctly, he waited 11 days. I mean, 10 days. LeBron? He announced LeBron, yeah. July. Oh, yeah. 11. LeBron was total. Like, 2014 was bad for LeBron. That was well, not good. I, I mean, bad, but it's like we're, we're like the, the, the narrative keeps changing here on what's acceptable. And I feel like we're losing more and more patience and perspective in that sense. And that, you know, all of a sudden now we're like getting pissed off that it was hours after, you know, Kevin Durant announced his on July 4th. It's still relative, a relatively short amount of time. And I think you're, you're, I mean, I understand your perspective in that. Yes. He's had time to, to come up with this decision, but the reality is he didn't really start meeting with his teams until three days ago. I mean, he met with the Heat, he met with Boston, he met with Utah, et cetera, and then he had one extra day to kind of mull it over and then the next day to really make his decision. That's not a whole hell of a lot of time. I understand that he probably had 
the months before that to really think about it, but he didn't really have the time to meet with teams because it's just not allowable under NBA rules. And so all of a sudden we're critiquing him for, for taking his time to make a decision. And nobody's being held up by that. Like if anybody's holding up the decision-making process because they don't know what to do because Gordon Hayward still has to decide, that's on them. You know, Alex Kennedy saying players are pissed off because he's in Willie Reed's ear and Willie Reed is in his ear saying, I want to know what to make a decision about. That's crap. I don't give a damn, to be honest with you. Willie, go wherever the hell you want to and don't worry about where the chips fall regarding Gordon goddamn Hayward. That's his decision. You're another person, another human being. You have another life. The problem is You can't put your, your life was, on hold because of Hayward. They, they let these reports leak that he was going to make a decision quickly and he was going to make a decision. If he, he if didn't he let anybody said any of that stuff, I wouldn't have that problem. He didn't let the reports leak. Somebody leaked it out to Chris Haynes. That's not on Hayward. No, no, not the, not the, not the Boston not that he was going to sign with Boston prior to that, the day, like right after them saying that Hayward wants to make a decision quickly. And then on July 3rd, you know, everybody was like, we'll make a decision Monday. And then July 3rd rolled around and he was like, he's going to sleep on it and he's going to make a decision on July 4th. And now we're all of a sudden, we're just waiting around July 4th. It was just like, hey, I'm going to make no, this I don't, decision. I don't Hold think on. we ever saw anything official that he was going to come out on the 3rd with a decision. I think, I think he said a decision would come quickly, either the 3rd or the 4th. And he came on the 4th. I mean, it's like we're, we're bashing him for, for taking his time to make a decision that's really important. And everybody has the right to make the decision however the hell they want to, in my opinion. You know, it's like if you want to announce in the Players' Tribune, if you want to go on TV, if you want to go via Twitter, if you want to not tell anybody, if you want to set a goddamn fax like Tim Duncan, that's up to you. You, you, you know, you're, it's your job. It's, it's your life. It's your family's life. You take the time to talk everybody and, and talk with them all and get their perspective and move forward. I don't have a problem with it. I look, I was, I was anxious. I understand. I was checking my phone. I was useless yesterday, you know, just wanting to see something finalized and frustrated, but not because I wanted the news, but not at Hayward. Again, it's, I don't think it's on him and I don't think he aired in this particular you don't think There was like an air of vanity though, with, with the report yeah. that it leaked and he was like, no, I wanted to do it with the player's tribune piece. That's how I wanted it. Like, it just seemed a little, it, it seemed a little overly vain to me. Like just, if the report leaked, just publish whatever you've got. If, even if you're at 1,500 words, he probably had, had it written anyway. I don't know I mean, what was maybe, going on. But, but you want to do you want to control it, right? I mean, look, Well, too bad. I, I mean, you're going okay, – like, it's just like say, you keep say, everybody okay. waiting. And then to me it was Remember, the Jazz fans who had their hearts broken basically twice, right? Because gosh, the Boston that's, report that's gets leaked. You walk it back. The, the president of the Jazz comes out and he's like, the communication has been great. We don't. There's he just still said, no decision. He said made. we don't have anything official, which they didn't. They didn't get anything official until a couple right. hours later. It just kind of led Jazz fans on a little <laughs> bit too much. I feel like I don't know. I mean, look, like just let's because assume... he can doesn't mean he should. Is I guess my point. Like I don't, I don't disagree with any of the points you're making. Right. I just like it. Just seems like it seemed a little. I know it's his decision, but it still seems selfish. Okay, in 2014. You know, LeBron was pissed off that Riley in his end of press con- end of season conference press conference spoke about Savannah being pregnant. Like that was information that he'd shared with Riley and close friends that wasn't supposed to become public. Right. And I understand that perspective. There's things that you want to announce or keep private, and and Riley stuck his foot in it and 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 messed up in that regard. And as far as Hayward's concerned, look, I mean, maybe this was important to him to. To clear the air, look, I think we would be criticizing him if it came out through Chris Haynes and not through the Players' Tribune. Because then we'd say, oh, he didn't call his teammates? 
he didn't announce it to anybody first. He didn't, he didn't, you know, apologize or give thanks to the fans. Like now it's never enough. It's like, do you take out a full page ad? You have to take out a five page ad. You're right. I mean, what are you going to do? You have to buy the whole front page. You're right about this. Like the, the whole free agency decision has become such a publicity stunt almost that it's just like, you've got to take out, you've got to write a column for the players tribune. You've got to make sure it's leaked to the right sources at the right time. There's so many moving parts now for just, you know, sometimes maybe you're, maybe it should just be the Tim Duncan thing where you're just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'll tell the team that I'm going to do it with. Right. I don't care how it – and just let the let the team report it to whomever or just send an official press release. Like these, these players have – there's some sort of branding that is for some reason considered like a, to be a part of their announcement. It's like – did Kevin Durant's brand get any stronger because he announced via the Players Tribune? No, he just no. like you become a meme. That's all it does. Like, like I just, like this okay, whole idea that the branding behind this decision is so important is kind of ridiculous. It's like but it's I not like, like we're not going to find out. These guys are the biggest names in sports. It would make more sense for somebody like Willie Reed to do a big Players Tribune piece to get some branding. But we know what Kevin Durant and Hayward are going to do. We're on top but, of it. I, I like the fact that they put in their words or, or whatever, co-authored with somebody what they want to come out, that they control the story. And that's fine. Like, I, 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 I'm at a point now where I am sick of keeping tabs on Shams versus Woj versus Chris Haynes <laughs> versus Ramona Shelburne. It's like, who gives a damn? We're, we're finding out via Twitter maybe 15 seconds, maybe 15 minutes before the news becomes world, world, you know, commonly accepted knowledge. I mean, I don't want, I'm tired of insiders feeling like they have some edge of superiority over anyone or anything. And, and if, if Gordon Hayward and Kevin Durant and Cal Lowry and anybody else wants to shape how that message is distributed, I'm fine with that. Again, I, I think like, like using that Savannah LeBron issue, you know, if you had, if you if you and your significant other were sharing a, a major life moment, maybe like again the birth of a child or something like that, and you made the mistake perhaps of telling a friend, and that friend went out and blurted to everybody that you were pregnant, and in the meantime, let's say you were having this big party for a gender reveal or to announce the fact that you were going to have a baby, or you wanted to tell certain people at a certain time, and all of a sudden there became public knowledge that somebody that that and somebody had already let that information out into the world. I'd be pretty pissed off. I think 99% of the population would be pretty pissed. And, and, yeah, but and would following... you walk it back for hours and be like, wait, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. We don't know. Like, would you just walk yes, and into like, damage control? Like, that was I mean, the silly part to me. We got to move I, on. We got to move on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, or, or we could spend half an hour talking about this and do a separate podcast. <laughs> wait, I think we probably, you and I could probably do a half hour on this, but I don't think our listeners oh, could. Sure. Um, so the other part of this, right, is... The Miami side. Look, now Pat Riley has missed out on basically every big free agent since 2010. Mm. And I know stepping on Riley here is just like a no-no for Heat fans. But we've got this has got to be mentioned. He's missed out on every single big free agent that he's tried to make. I mean, you could argue Ray Allen was a big free agent, but he wasn't. Like, big all-star free agents. Ever since 2010, he's missed out on every... Like, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant, now Gordon Hayward. The Heat now... And this is what you mentioned when um, Hayward was making his decision, right? And in that column for the Players' Tribune, he mentioned Brad Stevens. He mentioned the draft picks that Boston has, basically. He mentioned, like, this is a team that is good now that has a po- the potential to g- even get better. And when you're Hayward, 
I think that that's got to be huge, right? You're looking at a team that just won 50 plus games, was the top seed in the Eastern Conference, and made the conference finals, and has a ton of great draft picks. Just took the third best player in the draft. You're like, this is a team where that's going to grow around me. This is a this is something that's able to build and and sustain. And you look at Miami, and they were eliminated, I guess, on the night of July 3rd, according to some reports. Yep. Um, and they were still kept in the loop, uh, but. They were eliminated early, and you and I, we talk about the possibility of playing with Whiteside and Goran Dragic, but that's just not good enough because, yes, you have young players like Winslow and Bam Adebayo, Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson. It's just not good enough when you compare you know, the guys that Miami's bringing off the bench, like Tyler, Josh, and Winslow, compared to the guys that Boston's bringing off the bench, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They've got a bunch of draft picks of guys who can be coming off the bench. Um, that's, just, that's just a better a higher upside team, and Miami is kind of left in this middle ground now of, okay, we've got Dragic, but he's not quite good enough to attract free agents. He's not Isaiah Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Whiteside, but he's not, nobody's flocking to play with big centers really anymore. Yeah. And, and you've got some nice young players, but nobody that's explo- like, that has exploding all-star potential necessarily. Uh, it's not like you're, there's Kristaps Porzingis or Carl Anthony Towns or, or Jokic sitting on this roster. It's just some nice young players uh, and no draft picks, really, for the foreseeable future. No second-round picks. Um, not a first-round pick until 2019. Your first-round pick next year is owed to the Phoenix Suns unless it drops into the top seven. No team wants to – no free agent wants to join a team that's going to be picking in the top seven. Uh, so the Heat are just kind of like left in the middle here. And this is a, to me, this is a failure on Pat Riley's part where it just feels like there's not really a plan. Boston had been engaged or rumored to be interested in Hayward for a year now, right? Like they, they, he's been on their radar. It just seems like Miami is kind of flying by the seat of their pants now. And maybe that's just because their, their, their lips aren't as loose as Boston's are, right? Maybe they have been looking at Hayward for the last couple of years. But it just seems like Boston has more of a plan in place. And Miami, they're like, all right, Dragic is available. Let's trade all of our future picks for him. Okay, Whiteside's got good. Let's max him out. You know, it just kind of seems like it's, all right, this is what we've got. We're trying to rebuild on the fly post-LeBron. And, and since then, a real plan hasn't really come into place. Do you agree with that? I, I'm not as uh, pessimistic about it as others I've seen. I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. I've talked to some people also who happen to be Heat fans, and, and they feel very similarly in the sense that it's like, oh, we've got to move forward. We've got to rebuild. Uh, Riley's kind of struck out and everybody else. I think it's difficult to formulate some kind of a plan like that, and I think the alternative um, of – struggling to to come up with wins and to be a bad team over the next season or two just so that you can improve your chances or start over and acquire some draft picks. I I personally, I don't like that. Like, I I still view last season as a success. Mm -hmm. As hard as the first half of the season was, the second half of the season was phenomenal. And I think for both of us, a lot of fun to follow, to cover, um, and, and to see as fans and as people who love basketball, I think it was a great experience. And I still think of it as a great success. It showed that the team could bond. It showed that there was potential there. I think um, I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of plan we could possibly come up with. Maybe I'm just not qualified in that regard. But I don't see what the next alternative is for Riley. I mean, you want to continue to put yourself in a position to meet with the top free agents. He's shown that he can do that. I mean, we look at the fact that we struck out on Hayward, but yeah. 
27 of the team struck out on Hayward, too. And maybe it's for a variety of reasons that they didn't want him, they didn't need him, or they didn't have the money for him. But Miami was still in the conversation, and he still kept this team in the conversation. And I think that's something to be lauded, to be quite honest with you. So I think that's the plan. It's the hope that you can get a free agent. Maybe it works out. In this case, it didn't. And then move forward. Then I think this is still a team that can continue to compete. Um, and if we saw last year, uh, I, I think this is a, a team that can compete early on. Look, I mean, if you take away the injuries at the start of the season – and maybe this is a team already that's played together, has a little bit better familiarity, isn't dealing with the absence of Dwayne Wade for the first time in 13 seasons or Chris Bosh yet again. This is a team better prepared. You could sign Deion Waiters and James Johnson immediately to this team. And I think automatically this is a better team than what we had last year just because of that connectivity, because of the familiarity with one another. Uh, you know, Justice Winslow's back. Josh Richardson is back. All of a sudden, Goran and and and. Um, and Hassan have that chemistry that we were hoping for early at the, se- at the start of last season. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there's a plan that's different or better than this one. Um, I don't think so, personally. I think they're following whatever plan that they have. It, it might seem vague and nebulous to us, but to me, I think it's still working. I just, I'm not sure how you could say it's working when it hasn't necessarily worked. I mean, maybe this team is, it just, it kind of, gets lucky with hitting on James Johnson. Like, they put the work in, right? James Johnson got better. Credit to James Johnson, blah, blah, blah. But, you know... There's, what if that's the plan? I get me. Well, if that's the plan, then they're planning on being a 48-win team for the foreseeable future. Just because... Is that a problem? I mean, if you're Pat Riley and you've said you want to compete for titles, it is. For you and I, we've agreed on this a lot. I'm fine with just chasing 50 wins every year for the next couple of years. I just don't know that the masses are. And I'm not sure that, in the, not that that even matters. I'm not sure that Pat Riley is. Maybe he is. I don't know. It's just, if, if you are Pat Riley and you always, you preach this championship culture, we are going to compete for championships. That is what we're building. And when you go after big name right. free agents like this, that's kind of what you're telling the world is that you want to compete for championships. Sure. Then you're not. If you're just going to sign James Johnson and resuscitate that career, if you're going to sign Deion Waiters and resuscitate that career, it's like, are these guys going to become... Steph Curry and James Harden all of a sudden? No, it's just not going to happen. Okay. But, but so, so the other let's thing, look at that perspective okay. then. I mean, is there, is there an option, you think, aside from signing Hayward, that puts Miami in the conversation for title contender? No, and that's my, that's my problem here, is it just feels like there wasn't much of a plan other than let's get in the room with Gordon Hayward, let's get in the room with Durant, and, and hopefully he signs with us. You know, it's just the Heat are respected, but not but they're not able to get these big name free agents lately and it's you know you it's made up that like that that fans and analysts of the game kind of overvalue draft picks and things like that and I do agree with that sure. to a certain extent but it does seem like you know Gordon Hayward valued that part as well which was to me the interesting part about this he valued that Boston had the Brooklyn pick right yeah. there was a certain Maybe. amount of value into that you could build around me Team, free agents might be looking at Miami and say, "Look, that that second half turnaround was not, that was that got you in the room, but ultimately it was just kind of cute. Like it was half of a season. We're talking about forty games worth of of a sample size here, where two of the main guys on that are free agents, and only one of them, Max, could return to this team with me. Yeah. You guys have no draft picks in the future, so now I'm banking on Justice Winslow, Josh, and Josh Richardson taking, and maybe Bam Adebayo taking a major leap." Are you guys planning on trading Whiteside? Obviously not. He's in the meeting room with us. Are you trading Dragic? It's, if you do that, who's my point guard? That was my issue 
uh, in Utah. It just seems to be, okay, that was cute what you guys did. I, res I respect you because you're Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and I'm going to give you a meeting, but it almost seems like they do it because that's what it's expected and they want to meet with those guys and they know that they're smart. Um, we've heard Durant has been valued that meeting because he was just able to basically probe Miami yeah. into their thinking and their strategy, which is valuable. Uh, but ultimately, it hasn't been enough to get these guys to put you know, pen to paper and sign with the Heat. And that, to me, is the issue. If Miami had... It, it's not Miami's plan has always and has been to get free agents. They not they're not a build to the draft team, and you and I are okay with that. But yeah. if you're going to get the big free agents in in this day and age, today's free agents, they want it's not enough just to have some nice players and to have Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. They want to know what's down the road for them. They want to know how you're going to build to the draft. Are you going to get higher priced free agents that you're not going to have money for? I want you to pay me the max. So you're going to need to have draft picks to supplement this roster because that's the cheap way to get better. And I think these players understand that, and Miami just doesn't have that avenue. So they need to make their team better to attract and get better assets to attract free agents. You know, it's all it's all kind of lumped together. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, I, to be honest with you, I, I think I think Boston had Brad Stevens, and that was the only thing that swayed his decision. The way he wrote that piece yeah. – Take it for what it is. I, I think that Brad Stevens removed him from the equation, and I know that's difficult to, to say. That Boston probably wouldn't even have gotten a meeting with Hayward if it wasn't for Brad Stevens being there. And I, I think that says more about Miami than it does about Boston and their you know their your potential future assets or whatever. Like I mean, you look at it pound for pound, and I think that you could make a case that Miami has better players on the floor alongside of Hayward as a starting unit. I think Whiteside could probably be a better, maybe not a more well-rounded player than Horford, but I think Whiteside's almost as good. James Johnson is fair. I, I mean, uh, at shooting guard, I don't know who you'd have there, to be honest with you. Deion Waiters, theoretically. Um, you know, Goran Dragic. I, I think Boston's best asset is their 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 depth, and to be mm -hmm. honest with you. And they're going to trade away or lose several players. I mean, they're going to trade away Marcus Smart, perhaps Jay Crowder. They're losing Kelly Olynyk in free agency, so they've already lost Amir Johnson, which but I, they mean, have I know that's not the much. Picks. They have all the assets to replace those guys. If Miami were to lose James next Johnson next year, but if Miami were to lose, they still have a lot of depth. You know what I mean? Like sure, they still have sure. Jason Tatum, the third pick in the draft, coming off the bench. Jalen Brown, the third pick in last year's draft, coming off the bench. They've got so much. They've got guys coming up from overseas, like they just. Okay, who's better, Jalen Brown or, or or Tyler Johnson? Jalen Brown. If you're really? if you're Gordon Hayward really? and you're looking for a place to compete for four or five years, give me Jalen Brown on a rookie scale contract over Tyler Johnson, who's going to be blowing up to nineteen million dollars a year next season. I want the guy who's going to be able to defend wings for me. Jalen Brown's got great size and great athleticism. He's if you're Gordon Hayward. What's Tyler Johnson doing for me other than passing me the ball and maybe making some open threes? Jalen Brown on def on defense, he could just take a tougher assignment. That's his ceiling as a defensive stop. He doesn't get any playing time. I mean, not I, yet. No, That's like, the whole point. Like he's just got like you could just funnel these guys in. Like they've just got Boston has like just this. It just seems like this never-ending like line of guys that they could funnel wins in. last season. Like I'm, I'm like I'm tired of hearing how good Boston is because they've won. You know, 60 games last year and more games than they were supposed to the year before that. They've overachieved expectations every time, and that's fine. But to be Did honest Miami with you, it's also not achieved expectations in the second half of the season. Absolutely, I mean, we're talking. But, but I don't think it's. I think. I think. I don't think Boston's is sustainable because of these draft picks. Like 
you know, Rozier? Who the hell is Rozier? Is he any good? Marcus Smart makes winning plays and still sucks and blows up at the wrong time. I mean, I, I, I see their roster, and I don't think it's particularly strong or particularly great. I don't know that their draft picks are ever going to pan out into anything positive for them. I, I don't see anything there. Like, but you're at talking the same about time, they've been able. So you're right. And I, I agree. Like, you don't know what you can get out of a draft pick, and, and their drafting hasn't been spectacular. But it's been good enough to get a bunch of depth players. But at the, it would be one thing if all they did was draft players. But they trade for Isaiah Thomas, and he gets good. So they have an eye for talent. They're able to attract Al Horford last season, and then Gordon. I mean, Gordon I'm all. This is what I'm. I'm just trying to put put. I'm just I, I get you. I get you. But at the same time, like so much they of that, got, they have the full. Lucky. They have the full package. They're able to attract free agents. They're able to draft with high picks that they still have coming up, and they have an eye for talent. Miami, they have an eye for talent. But they can't attract big free agents, you know. Boston got Al Horford. Miami didn't get Lamarcus Aldridge. You know what I mean? Like Miami uh, didn't get Al Horford. I'm just saying. Like the Al Horford I, signing last summer was significant for that. You know what? If I, if, I, if I have a criticism of Miami, I'd say that they're guilty of putting all their eggs in one basket. Mm. That that to me has been a problem with the way That's that they approach it. I mean, maybe. I, I mean, I, I think that they still can lure lots of free agents, but. You have, um, what's the word, a hubris about you in the way you act. And you, we've known this from Riley. He's, he's egomaniacal. I think you have to be to be the success that he was in L.A. And, and, and everything that he's achieved. In New York and Miami, you have to be egomaniacal. You have to walk into the room knowing or feeling that you're better than everybody else. And I think that leads to a hubristic quality about him in that he, he assumes, I'm meeting with you, you're going to sign here. And that's a problem because – there are other potential options that you could have looked into to continue to build your team, if not necessarily into title contention, into better contention than you are now. Um, and, and unfortunately, they, he put all of his eggs in Gordon Hayward. He put all of his eggs in Kevin Durant. Maybe in the year before, he assumed that he could get you know, LaMarcus to re-sign there, not knowing what was going to happen with Chris Bosh. It, it tends to be somewhat alienating to the other free agents that you could possibly lure. I, I don't know that Boston's a better run team. I just think that Riley may have made a mistake in this particular aspect. I'm disappointed that you said eggs in one basket and not dominoes in one basket. Damn, that's right. I'm sorry. That is trademark lockdown heat podcast. <laughs> Speaking of putting all your dominoes in a basket, you don't want to do that, especially when you're shopping for tickets online because you put all your dominoes in one basket, you could get ripped off. You could be missing a great deal somewhere else. Well, with SeatGeek, you don't have to worry about that because SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to find tickets for the games, concerts, and shows that you want to go to. It's never been easier to get the seats that you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I could be anywhere in just a few taps. I've got tickets for this weekend or whenever. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because they price compare for you by searching multiple ticket sites. This is what we're talking about. Don't put all your dominoes in one basket. Let SeatGeek spread the dominoes out. Multiple baskets. I'm really stretching this metaphor. Um, SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every SeatGeek, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on its value. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee so that you can shop with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. How do you do it? Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOHEAT and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code LOHEAT today. All right, let's hit these questions really quick. We got some listener questions. 
Um, all right, this first one comes from George Coles. So the Hayward, pa- so with Hayward passing, it makes one wonder if the Heat regret not getting that top five draft pick. It's. I disagree. I know you disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I know you disagree. <laughs> However, this kind of falls in line with what we were just talking about, right? Is like, yeah, got, it's just a different it's, perspective. It's a different perspective. If you're going to look at this from um, an ends justify the means point of view, right? Mm. Like a, uh, then, um, yes, right. Like the the Heat probably should have just tanked. They should have probably just full blown tanked and made sure that they acquired a top five pick because that was going to be their best way of landing a star. But it's also a little revisionist because you go back to the second half, and you think, okay, they went on this 30-11 streak, and, they, and that, that run was enough to turn heads. You mentioned before just the, the ability of Pat Riley to get into a meeting room basically with every big free agent should be lauded. That probably won't, wouldn't have happened, right, if, it, if the, right. this team had just tanked to a top-five pick? Right. This 30 to 11, that 30 to 11 streak really helped turn some heads. And ultimately, it ended up just being, like I said, oh, that's cute. I'll meet with you. Let's see what you're really all about. Ultimately, it doesn't, it's not enough just to put pen to paper and get guys to sign with them. Right. But you've got to win when, when you can win, I suppose. Unless it just, I, I was criticizing Riley for not having a plan in place. It would have been just to tank because you're bad. It wouldn't have been any more of a plan than just trading for Goran Dragic on a whim. You know what I mean? Like it would have just it would have been the same side of that coin where it's just like, all right, well, let's just tank, I suppose, and see what happens next. I I don't have a problem with tanking if it's the Presty way where like this is our plan. But just mm-hmm. to do it just for the sake of doing it doesn't see, I just don't know if that's gonna work. What do you, I know you disagree with this too. No, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean uh I, I think that Bam Adebayo is going to be better than De'Aaron Fox, you know, or you can make a, a you can make a statement like that at this point, And you don't know what any of those top five picks are going to be. Mm-hmm. Is Jason Tatum arguably better than Adebayo or, or, or the, the, the karma of winning? I, I mean, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, we don't know what kind of players these are. I don't know that it's necessarily more appealing. I mean, you look at that, that position in the drafts, uh, I'm sorry, that if you're looking at a top five pick, most of the picks there were point guards, or the best one, best options were point guards, and you know, Fultz, Ball, and Fox. And we already have a very good point guard, one who probably will be better than all of them at some point. You know, I, I don't know what the ceiling is for those guys yet. It's it's what's in the mystery box, and that mystery box to me has always been, I don't give a damn. I know what's in front of me. Uh, you know, again, maybe this is my own hubristic tendencies after years of following Miami and, and devaluing draft picks but uh, potential is not something that interests me you know it's just like I, I think Goran Dragic is a very very good point guard there's no need to try and tank the season away so that you could get a possibly better point guard with a top five pick I don't know to me it's uh, I'm glad with the, the season the way it played out I think Adebayo has potential and great upside there I think he's going to fit in just fine with Miami's culture and I don't have a problem with the way things shook out Next question. With Miami missing out on Gordon Hayward, do you think that this Heat team can make it up in quantity? Say Miami signs James Johnson and Deion Waiters at $12 million each. They still have enough uh, cap space to spend on Rudy Gay and uh, Patrick Patterson. Patrick Patterson, since we got this question, is signed with Oklahoma City. Uh, does that, is that enough to make up for Hayward? That question comes from Tayshaun Flats. Um, 
No, it's not nope. enough to make up for Gordon <laughs> Hayward. But it is their option, right? That's the plan B. Like I, what the reason you want Hayward is for the same reason that you want Dwayne Wade or the Celtics wanted Al Horford or whatever. It's because superstars and guys of that quality, right? All star players attract other all stars, and having Hayward would have been the first move, right? That would have been the first domino, and you're trying to. Um, with the Hayward signing, you're hoping that down the line, another star is attracted to Miami wants to play with Hayward. And another star is attracted to Miami wants to play with Hayward. And that's what, my, that's what Riley's MO has been. Um, so even with Hayward passing, now you, you're left with James Johnson, you sign Deion Waiters, and then let's say you get the, the Heat get Rudy Gay. That's going to be a good enough team that could compete for 50 wins. And with everybody that's moved out of the Eastern Conference, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, oh, yeah. Paul Millsap, they're going to be. This is still a Heat team that's going to be a, a top four or five team in the East potentially. I think so. So that's. So does that make up for Hayward? It depends on what you're trying to accomplish here. It's going to be good enough to have a fun season, and instead of the season being done in um, April, it might early April will be done in, in mid May or so. That's fun. You know, it's an extra month's worth of basketball. That's that's fun, but. Um, does it make it, look the superstars are the best value in the NBA? Even if you're paying them max dollars, even if you're paying them the most money, actual superstars worth the max, which Hayward is, are the best values in the NBA because the cap or because um, salaries are capped because there, there's a spending cap, and uh, that's what Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets has been obsessed with. That's what um, Pat Riley has been obsessed with. He understands you get superstars. And that's the best value you can get because LeBron James, if you pay him $30 million a year, he's probably worth $200 million a year to your franchise. I'm not sure. At least. But at least. It's, it's that, it, the value of that is so extreme. Those are the guys that you want. James Johnson at $12 million a year is a great contract. It's just not as good as Gordon Hayward at even $30 million a year. It's just not. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. Um, you know, it's it's tough for Patrick Patterson. He's a guy that you and I had looked at earlier and talked about as a potential to come in and and perhaps take that next step in his development the way James Johnson did. And you know, we've you know talked about the fact that Dwayne Casey probably does not know how to maximize players the way he ought to. Patterson seems next in line for that the way Johnson was, and I know a lot of that was due to Johnson's conditioning and the work he, he was able to do while he was in Miami. But at the same time, I, I liked his potential. I don't, you know, I talked about this with you. I texted you about it. You know, Rudy Gay, I don't think is a bad option. I'm seeing a lot of people um, kind of shoot down the idea. And I think he's gotten a bad rap. I think the issue is you and I had talked about before, especially when the news first broke that he was interested in Miami um, he seems to be healthy first and foremost, so that's a positive. I don't think he's going to command a lot of money. He opted out of his contract, hoping for a big payday. It hasn't worked out. It's not going to work out, it seems. Um, and I think the issue with Gay more often than not is the fact that he was just—he's been asked to do too much, or he's taken on too much. He kind of struggled a lot in, in Sacramento. Um, he never really quite fit into Toronto. I, I mean, Memphis—you know—he had some good games. He had some bad games. There's a tendency there to, to devalue what Rudy Gay does. And, of course, I think he's somewhat inefficient. I think he can get, get better, though. I think Miami can yes. help him take another level there to, to work on his efficiency. Look, I mean, LeBron James was one of the top five players. Well, okay, one of the, the top 20 players of planet in 2010. 
top 20 NBA players of all time, sorry, in 2010, and he came to Miami and still got better. I think we can take almost any player and help them reach another level of their development. And I think that's that's what's next in line for Rudy Gay. So if he comes here, I'm I'm, I'm content. It's not to make it's not going to be enough to make up for Hayward. No, Hayward's great. And again, as you pointed out, a superstar is a superstar. You need those on your team, but you can still have a very good, high functioning team with Rudy Gay here. One hundred percent. And Rudy Gay, those last those forty games or some odd forty games that he played in Sacramento was really impressive. He has I, I got so, yeah. he has changed throughout his career with his age. He has not become just the big volume shooter. He's done other things. He tries harder on defense and all these other. He's a better passer. He's a better teammate. I think in general, he just really needed out of Sacramento, and you could tell that he was itching to just get out of there. And obviously, sure. he was because he turned down. He, he could be getting ten million dollars less next season. He could be leaving that on the table just to get out of Sacramento, and you really can't blame him. But right. um, and if he joins Miami, that's the type of that's why that's the type of team you join. That's the reason why you leave ten million dollars on the table. Is just you want to be in a great situation. Um, uh, we should mention here that because let's say James the Miami signs James Johnson, we shouldn't just say that I suppose because there was a report right. by the Salt Lake Tribune that there is mutual interest between James Johnson and the Jazz. That strikes me as a little Andre Iguodala early in free agency ish. Does that make sure. sense? Where you just kind of like, okay, free agency is really starting for us now because we were waiting on the Hayward stuff. But now that it's starting, let's just gauge what our market value is. Come right. back to Miami with that, and let's and let's figure this thing out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the fact that Johnson was there to help recruit uh, Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. in the first place that they happen to share an agent. I think Bartlesey, Mark Bartlestein, if I'm not mistaken, is there both their mm-hmm. agent. Um, I, I think he sees how Miami moves forward and their plan of attack and the way that they kind of pitched Hayward. I think he's capitalizing on this as an agent should. That's their job. Look, we hate that side of the business, but that is an important part of it. And that's what an agent's supposed to do. If he can squeeze out an extra $2 million a year for his client, which translates into an extra $200,000 a year for himself, I think he'll do it. And it's a, it's a good, savvy business decision. So I understand why it is. Maybe I don't like it, but it's the reality and it makes sense. So. Anyway, let's uh, move on to our next question from Chris Leach. Uh, assuming the Heat get a couple more free agents, for example, Rudy Gay and or Jared Sullinger, who we've advocated for on numerous occasions, do you see James Johnson starting for the Heat? And if so, what type of numbers do you expect? So I'm not sure if Chris understands that Johnson is also a free agent, one that doesn't necessarily have to come back to Miami. So I think that's, that's an interesting question there. Uh, how do you see it shaking out? Well, I do see James Johnson ultimately re-signing with the Heat. I just maybe I'm naive, but just the way he spoke about the Heat was just, and just the way he was involved with Miami, just during the recruiting pitch, like you said, it just he wants to be part of this team. He's coming back uh, as long as Miami's willing to match this offer. If Utah comes in with a Joe Johnson offer, <laughs> well, then maybe not. But even so, like does James Johnson say, "Look, they're offering me this, Miami. You've got the cap space now because Hayward's not signing with you." Maybe Miami at this point they say, look, well, we've got to get him. We've got to come out of this free agency with something. We can't lose James Johnson. Either way, let's say James Johnson hypothetically is back with Miami. Uh, just for the sake of answering this question, um, last year he averaged what 13, 14 points a game, four or five rebounds a game, three and a half assists a game. Um, I'd expect something similar. James Johnson played starter minutes. He just didn't start. Um, right. So maybe he gets a few more minutes as a starter. I'd expect, you know, another year in here, 15 points a game, uh, like 15, 6, and 3.5. And so 15 points, 6 rebounds, 3.5 assists per game, and that's perfect. You don't want James Johnson scoring 20 points a game. 
Because if he is, that means your other guys aren't. Whiteside, Dragic, Waiters, if he comes back, they're not holding up their end of the bargain. James Johnson is better at like that 14, 15 points range and then filling out the rest of the box score because he's so versatile. He's like, he's a star role player glue guy. And that's good. You know, that's he's a Shane Battier type in that way where it's just like, instead of just scoring a bunch of points, he's going to, He's going to get you a few assists. He's going to get you a few rebounds. He's going to be worth a lot more than even what the box score says. His plus minus is always going to be pretty high. Um, yes. He's going to be one of those guys. That's kind of what I expect from James Johnson. I don't know if I necessarily see him starting either, to Chris's point. Um, you know, like you pointed out, he did play a big bulk of minutes, regardless of whatever kind of deal he does get, if he does wind up getting one from Miami. I think he kind of fits in better as an off the bench guy. Like we saw. Towards the end of the season where they were making a last uh, playoff push that he started a few games, um, he thrived in those. He played really, really well. And and there's no reason to think that he wouldn't continue to do so. But I think it also makes a difference depending on who we are able to sign. If you're able to sign Rudy Gay, not Jared Sellinger, because I don't expect Sellinger to be a starter at this point or at any point in the future, to be honest with you. But if you sign Rudy Gay... I think with a guy his size, one who arguably would probably be better suited for the four at this point, and you still want to see what you can get out of Justice Winslow, to me, I think you make that your starting lineup. If you're only signed Rudy Gay and not necessarily, say, like a C.J. Miles or somebody else, I don't know. I don't think it's realistically to get both Rudy Gay and C.J. Miles Mm -hmm. and James Johnson, but, you know, you you, or anybody else at small forward, I think – I don't think Bam Adebayo is going to start at power forward. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a good fit alongside Hassan Whiteside just yet. But if you've got Gay in there as your starter, um, I would probably want to have Justice as your starter as well because I think that between the two of them, there's enough switchability there where their respective length and size and strength where they could guard either three or four spots there. So I think um, I think that fits best. And then you keep Johnson coming off the bench where he's worked so well with Tyler, uh, where he'd work well with uh, Bam Adebayo. I think him tossing those lobs to Adebayo would be great. I think that's a really, really nice fit there. I think you can get a really high-energy bench going, and I think that's something that would really help Miami out uh, next season. Yeah, I think – I'm just not sure Winslow's ready to start, to be honest. I just, when he's coming off that injury, um, he was asked to do so much last season as a starter that I think it might even be better to just bring him in off the bench at this point like he was mm. in his rookie year. If you do sign Rudy Gay – I actually like the starting combination of Rudy Gay at small forward and James Johnson at power forward. Not not too much different than the reasons you said you like Winslow and Rudy Gay together. I think James Johnson could fill that role. I mean, he's a guy that can go toe-to-toe with LeBron James and Kevin Durant and defend them as well as anybody else other than maybe Kawhi and Draymond Green. Um, yeah. He's got the size. He's got the versatility defensively. That last That last part of the season, I know that they were making a playoff push and they were dealing with injuries to do that. Uh, where he was coming, where he was starting instead of coming off the bench, I I think that was significant because that to me that was like when Golden State finally decided to put Draymond Green in the lineup instead of David Lee. They loved Draymond Green's heart and energy and soul off the bench, like he was a spark plug off right. the bench. That's really what James Johnson was for the Heat last season. But then you find then you realize if we start this guy, we just have this from the opening tip, and we have this sort of versatility and point forward player in the game from the beginning, we can really set the tempo early. I think that's what the Heat are going to do with James Johnson. If they resign him, let's keep in mind, if they resign him, he's going to be getting paid a lot more money than he was last year. So then there, there's a little incentive to bring him uh, to start him there uh, for that reason, even mm-hmm. though I'm gen- generally opposed to just starting a player because of how much money they make. Um, no. So I think that if they do resign James Johnson, I think he will be a starter. 
I think that he'll start at the four spot. And I love the idea of bringing Rudy Gay in, bringing Winslow off the bench, or just letting them compete for the starting small forward spot. Just because outside of Winslow right now on this roster, you don't really have another true small forward. You know, you need more length. You need more shooting. Rudy Gay is that. Um, like you mentioned, C.J. Miles would be an interesting option there, too. Uh, so I, I, I like the idea of bringing He's not getting a lot of noise. I'm, I'm a little surprised yeah. coming off the year he had in Indiana. I thought somebody was going to be willing to toss some money at him. To be honest with you, I, I talked to this uh, with a few people in, at Summer League. I'm surprised the Magic haven't done it. It seems yeah. like he would be such a natural fit there. They need somebody at small forward. They need shooting. He played for Frank Vogel. It seemed like such an obvious fit, and yet somehow it hasn't manifested. So I'm not sure if they're waiting for the market to die down where they can just toss some money his way. Um, but we're forgetting the best option to start at power forward really is Luke Babbitt, and he's still a free agent as well. All right. Uh, and Sullinger, I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on Sullinger. Um, all right, oh, last, our last question, uh, and this is a doozy, so I'm going to read the whole thing because I, I, like, <laughs> I like how he wrote this. And this is Sam Heaton, by the way, who we made fun of his last name last week because we didn't believe that his name was actually Heaton. He emailed us um, a snippet of his driver's license, and it is indeed Heaton. So I'm sorry, Sam. I never should have doubted you. Um, <laughs> best name. Uh, lucky guy. Anyway. Uh, here we go. We've come up with nothing, nothing. Paul George was traded, and Jimmy Butler was traded all for packages the Heat could have beaten, and Gordon Hayward passed on the Heat. I can only guess Riley didn't aggressively target those players that were traded and pull all the eggs in the free agency slash Hayward basket. Last year, in December, I wrote in saying we should have pried Boogie from the Kings, and ultimately the Pelicans did for way less than everyone expected. We missed on that. Now, tanking is for losers. We need a star, and stars attract stars. If we traded for a star last season, I think Hayward would be on the heat now. There's still an opportunity out there. We have to trade the farm for Boogie. Risk it with his expiring contract and try and build around him. Stars attract stars. Whiteside repels stars. Try and offload Whiteside to another team for picks or something the Pelicans will want to rebuild with because that is happening. The boogie brow area will the boogie brow era will crumble along with Alvin Gentry's job security real soon, and that's the end of his paragraph. So, um, look, there's a lot that we can mine in here, but we've really talked about quite a few things in this already, just throughout this podcast. Uh, yeah, the thing I want to focus on is the idea of boogie, right? Um, and I'm going to take this one step forward from Sam, and I want to see what you think about this, David. Forget Boogie. I don't want anything to do with DeMarcus Cousins. You're talking about stars repelling stars. DeMarcus Cousins is going to repel stars just like a son white side. Nobody wants to play with DeMarcus Cousins, right? Nobody is going out of their way, I should say, to play with DeMarcus Cousins. But go, take this a step further. Why, why go for DeMarcus Cousins from the Pelicans? Go for Anthony Davis. Yeah. If you're the Heat... That's- that's if, the guy you would want to acquire. Yeah. If if you're the Heat, uh, first of all, the Pel- Sam I believe is right. The Boogie Brow era will not work. It just it doesn't. Not because it can't, but just because there seems to be there's only a one year time period on this, and I just I don't see this kind of working out in the way with the with the West loaded the way it is now. I just don't see it working in a way where they're going to see enough after a year to be like, let's give both these guys all of our money. I don't see, and maybe Demarcus Cousins is like, I just want to go somewhere else. Um, but if you're the Pelicans, Anthony Davis, he's only got a few more years left on that contract, right? Three more years after the season, I think. Um, if you're going to trade him, now is kind of the time to do it. And if you're going, if you're going to rebuild, now is the perfect time to rebuild because by the t- if you could trade Anthony Davis for 
a Brooklyn-like godfather offer, by the time you're done rebuilding, maybe the Warriors are not quite the Warriors. Maybe LeBron James' reign in the East is done. Um, now's the time to kind of kickstart that thing. They've really landlocked themselves into options here. They're kind of, they've maxed out all their salary. They've put all of their dominoes in the Boogie, Boogie Cousins basket. Um, mm. I just... It, you're not going to trade Boogie for a whole lot at this point, right? Who's going to trade for him? He's on an expiring contract, like Sam pointed out. Yeah, you, you, mean, could get, you could get... You could just completely revamp your entire franchise by trading Anthony Davis, which sounds crazy. And I'm not saying that they should, but they could, right? And if you're Miami, you've got to at least start asking them, look, you're, you're the Pelicans. You want to get into the playoffs. We could trade you Dragic, Whiteside, Winslow, and James Johnson for Anthony Davis right now. That should, that is a full, that's a full starting five for you to pair with DeMarcus Cousins. That, that could get you into the playoffs now. You know, this, the seventh and eighth seeds are open. That can get you into the playoffs now. You want to make the playoffs? Here's the way to do it. You want to make some more extra money for your organization? Here's the way to do it. Just give us Anthony Davis. That seems like an awful lot, but yeah, I see your point there. And uh, I just don't see any world why, any reason why New Orleans would trade away Anthony Davis. No, they probably won't. It's crazy, right? But if I you're mean, if you're I mean, Miami, that's the guy to target, right? Is if they're oh, you don't want to lose out on you know the next Paul George or Jimmy Butler, right? Like Indiana took nothing for Paul George. Indiana took nothing. Or, or, yeah, uh, Chicago took nothing for Jimmy Butler, basically. That right. Sam's point, I guess, is make sure you're getting on the phone. Let's, let's test the waters for Anthony Davis. If it costs Buddy Heald and a top 10 pick for Anthony Davis, you know what I mean? For Boogie Cousins. Right, well, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, if it takes, like, Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabanis to land Paul George, what's it going to take to land Anthony Davis at this point? I just, you got to find out, right? You got to ask the question. You got to find out. I just don't think that they're under any pressure to trade him right now with, with so much time left on his contract. It's, it's probably – see, but then it's more to Sam's point there. Why would you trade for Boogie at this point when you know he's probably going to leave because it's not going to work together, because he's probably going to enter free agency in a short while anyway? Wouldn't well, he just wait until next summer yeah. and see if he's interested here and then start kind of kicking the tires on a potential white, tra- white side trade? I mean maybe to your earlier point, maybe – Cousins doesn't think of Miami as a, a reliable destination because they don't have enough future assets, and that's what he's looking for, and, in which case then you'd probably need to trade Whiteside beforehand so that you could acquire at least maybe a first-round pick for him. I mean, it, it seems unlikely, but I, I, I guess that's what you'd be hoping for. I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of – the more I hear about everything that went on in Sacramento and to see what well, a lot of people think about his fit in New Orleans – I'm less and less on the Boogie Cousins train, to be honest with you. I, I was all for it early last season. I'm kind of less on it now. I'm not sure if I'm, I don't know. To be well, honest I was, with you, I was sure in that locker room after Boogie got traded, and I never had a problem with DeMarcus Cousins when he was in that locker room, but after that locker room, yeah. you, you, can, you notice the difference more when he's not there. I mean, it was just um, it was amazing how much different that locker room, room was after right. Cousins left. I mean, it felt like... A real team, like before when DeMarcus Cousins was there, everybody changed their stalls, answered their media questions, moved on. There was no real camaraderie. Afterwards, it was like a party in there, even after a loss. You know what I mean? Everybody was just so, it seems like, relieved to have him around. And it's I don't know if it's completely boogie to blame there. I mean, Sacramento is such a bad situation in general that maybe it just it did just take a, an exciting shakeup like that to switch things up a little bit. but And to yeah. create a little bit of a honeymoon phase, I suppose. But uh, I saw what I saw. And I just, I don't want, you don't, I don't know if I want that kind of player. And look, just even a personality-wise, is 
almost irrelevant. I don't know if you want a player like Boogie Cousins to build around anymore. I mean, he is extremely aver- an extremely versatile center, but he's a center nonetheless. He is limited to a certain extent, um, defensively especially, and uh, I just, is he worth paying the max for? And just players don't, it, players play with stars, Sam is right, I just don't know that they play with Boogie. And uh, that's it. You know, you know who I'd start looking into right now, and probably this is probably a, a conversation from another time, is Jabari Parker. I mean, mm-hmm. I know he's coming off of his injury and everything else, but He's probably somebody that, that Milwaukee would be willing to move on from. Um, and I think he still has enough potential there. Like, the injuries are a concern, but, I mean, I think there's still a chance there for him to turn it around and become a, a productive member in the NBA, or more I, productive. I, th- I think you're right. I think taking those uh, low price, high-reward players might be worth it. The guys that are coming off of injuries uh, who could blow up and turn into superstars, like Jabari Parker. Um, yeah. I'm with you 100%, but you're right. That's a conversation for another time because we're out of time for this podcast. Uh, that's all we have for today, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, however you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. You can get in touch with the show by email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or on Twitter at LockedOnHeat. Um, make sure to, to subscribe, get the podcast automatically every day, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.